Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints, your king comes to you. Jesus, your savior, your Lord, your God, comes to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. And yet he comes not to destroy you, but to save you. He comes not to throw your sins in your face, but to forgive them. He comes not to require your life, but to give you his. He comes not to judge you, but to be judged guilty for all of your sin. He comes in meekness, in humility and gentleness, and with great compassion. He comes into the holy city of a be- on a beast of burden, lowly and mounted on a donkey to die for you. He set his face toward Jerusalem and he never looked back. Twice a year, we hear the exact words of Matthew 21, the beautiful gospel lesson for today. We hear it every Palm Sunday to begin Holy Week the same way that Christ began his Holy Week. And then you hear this text again every first Sunday of Advent. So as you might know, this is also the first Sunday of the entire church year. Most people find it odd that we hear this text at that time, that we meditate upon it then. That Jesus is riding on a donkey into Jerusalem the week of his death to start Advent right before Christmas when we haven't even talked about his birth. So why do we begin the church year with this text when we haven't even talked about Jesus being born yet? But because in this text we learn not only that Jesus comes to us, but also why. First, we learn that we don't go to Jesus. He must come to us. And even more, we learn why he comes to us, which is not to judge or condemn or to smite us. He's come to die for us. So the church here begins with this text of Jesus going to Jerusalem to die as a reminder that this is what every single Sunday of the church year is about. In fact, Jesus dying on the cross is what every single Old Testament reading culminates to, what every single epistle lesson exhorts you to, what every single psalm ultimately praises God for, what every single miracle of Jesus points to, and where every single word of Jesus takes you is to his cross. The very object of our worship in church every single Sunday is the self-donation of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness for all of our sins. In fact, even baptism saves because it's inseparable from the death of Christ. Romans 6 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? The content of our preaching is the death of Christ. As 1 Corinthians 1 says, we preach Christ crucified. Even the Lord's Supper cannot be removed from the innocent, bitter suffering and death of Christ. As 1 Corinthians 11 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Don't think that the death of Jesus is anything that we'll stop meditating upon anytime soon. The very worship of all of the saints, the host of heaven, all of the children who have ever believed in him, the angels of God in this life and the life to come is the death of Christ. As Revelation 5 says, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Jesus came to die and this is why we praise him. In order to illustrate this truth and in order to illustrate that this is something that uh, Lutherans have always understood and always believed, taught, and confessed, in order to show you the insoluble connection between Jesus' birth and his death, between Jesus riding on a donkey and his crucifixion, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Johann Sebastian Bach. Many people know him as the great German organist and composer of the 18th century. Uh, But you should be proud to know that he was more than that. He was a Lutheran, a steadfast, rock-solid Lutheran. Not nominally, not culturally, not just out of habit or because his parents were. He actually believed all of this stuff. In fact, the only books he had in his house were Dr. Luther's works and his German translation of the Bible. Because of his great skill, he was offered even more money to play at a Calvinist church with a better organ, and he refused to do so because he renounced their false doctrine and he didn't want to promote it in any way. Bach was a Lutheran, not because of his culture or because it was convenient. He was a Lutheran because he desired nothing more than to hear the pure and unadulterated preaching of Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of sins. Bach knew why Christ was born, and he confessed it in his music. He teaches us exactly what the birth of Christ means in his great work, his Christmas oratorio. In this great work for Christmas, he arranges for an Advent hymn to be sung. And it's in fact a hymn that we're going to be singing during communion. And the hymn he has sung is, O Lord, how shall I meet you? This is a hymn we sing every Sunday on the first Sunday of Advent. In fact, the hymn was written specifically for that Sunday of the church here. Listen to the words. O Lord, how shall I meet you? How welcome you are right. Your people long to greet you, my hope, my heart's delight. O kindle, Lord, most holy, your lamp within my breast, to do in spirit lowly all that may please you best. However, in singing this hymn, Bach did something different to it. As the choir is singing these words that we just heard, he changed the melody. And the melody isn't the one you know the hymn to. He changed the melody to another hymn, to O Sacred Head Now Wounded. So they're singing the words of O Lord, How Shall I Meet You with the melody of a Lenten hymn. And the reason he did this was to teach us exactly how we will meet Jesus. The words ask, O Lord, how shall I meet you? And the melody answers that question saying with a sacred head, now wounded. Listen to the words of that hymn. O sacred head, now wounded with grief and shame, weighed down, now scornfully surrounded with thorns, thine only crown. O sacred head, what glory, what bliss till now was thine. Yet though though despised and gory, 
I joy to call thee mine. So here you have this genius and beautiful confession of Bach. And you have this great teaching to show you why Jesus was born. He was born to suffer, bleed, and die. The way we should expect to meet Jesus, our God, is with a wounded and bloody brow today. That is why Christ came to this earth. That is why he went to Jerusalem and why he comes to you even now. As we begin this Holy Week, the holiest week of the year, remember why Jesus did what he did. Jesus came with one mission, one purpose in mind. He came determined to forgive every single one of your sins. Scripture says that he turned his head and his face towards Jerusalem like flint. He turned his face and looked to the place where God would eventually look away from him. He insisted on going to the cross so that he would be forsaken, not you. He was intent upon keeping his mouth shut, enduring the slander and false accusations against him and being like a sheep led to the slaughter. As you were bound by your sins, as the wrath of God was about to tear into your flesh, Jesus came to be the one that God provides. He came to be the lamb wrapped in thorns to take your place to take your sin, to take your death, and to give you life. Jesus set his eyes to Jerusalem and let nothing turn his face away. Nothing could turn his face away from that blessed cross. Not the impending pain or anguish, nor the loneliness and shame he would face. No, not even your sins could turn him away from that cross. Not even your secret Sins could turn him away from that cross. Not even the sins of this entire congregation put together could turn him away from that cross. Not even the sins of the entire world, from the first man who ever lived to the last man who will ever live. No sin ever committed in this world could turn his face from that cross. Because this is precisely why he came. To forgive them all. To erase them from existence. To wipe them out before the face of the Father in a flood of his blood. So today the Holy Spirit cries out to you that the time has come to worship the Son of God again. Because the hour of your forgiveness is here. And the hour of your forgiveness is here because the hour of your salvation has never left. As long as Christ is here, so is your forgiveness. So in the midst of your sin, your pain, and your sorrow and anguish, take the palm branch in your hand and the hosannas in your mouth and look to Calvary and look to the cross. Turn away from yourself and from your heart because there's nothing to look at there anymore. If you want to see your sin, you look to the cross and see how it's draped in each and every one of your transgressions and iniquities. Look and see how your flesh has lost its sin, how your heart lost its guilt, and how your death lost its sting. Look and see how the son of David is carrying out the work he was ordained to do before the foundation of the world. That he's performing now what he promised to do long ago. Look to the cross and see that this Jesus who came to you in lowliness and suffering and dying for your sins... Look and see that he is not angry. He's not mad at you. He's not on the cross to judge you or condemn you. He's there to save you. 
Look to the cross and see that everything Jesus said he would do is now yours. As the blood drips off of his hands and his feet, see that he's wringing out every ounce of the wrath of God against you. Look and see that as he hungers and thirsts and sweats and bleeds, he gives you everything that you ever needed more than you could ever ask for or imagine. All he accomplished is yours. All he fulfilled is yours. See that his perfect obedience kept the Ten Commandments and that he attributes it to you. He writes it in your name. And look to the cross because that's where you will meet him. The right to live forever became yours as he breathed his last. He's given you the right to forget every anxious thought and every fearful worry. You have in Christ all the things that you could not provide for yourself. And there is your king, your king who comes to you lowly and riding on a donkey. There is your king who hangs lifelessly from that tree. There is your king who, when he opened his mouth in agony, he opened the kingdom of heaven for you forever. There is the king who scoffs at the notion that you could ever outsin his forgiveness that he has come to give you. There is the king who mounted on his throne with nails in his flesh, who wore a crown of thorns on his head and his own blood as a robe in order to make you God's beloved child again. So remember all of this, all of these things, as in just a few moments you will sing Hosanna to God in the highest. Remember this as you sing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right before you receive the Lord's Supper. As you sing these words, remember that the king who came to you with a sacred head, now wounded, is the same king who comes to you in bread and wine to forgive you all of your sins with his head that was wounded for you. As the world stands idly by with closed mouths and empty hands, at the coming of Christ here to you today. You, dear saints, shout Hosanna from the bottom of your heart. And you wave your palm branch in victory, knowing that your king has come to you. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. Hear the words of these hymns. Sin's debt, that fearful burden, let not your souls distress. Thy guilt the Lord will pardon and cover by his grace. He comes for thee procuring the peace of sin forgiven, for all God's sons securing their heritage in heaven. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end? O make me thine forever. And should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for thee. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.